Hey everyone, I'm really excited to tell you about a new way to support the podcast that costs you nothing. Almost all of you are buying art supplies online, and a whole lot of you shop at Blick.com. If you aren't shopping at Blick, well, you should be. They have everything you need at great prices, and they run tons of specials and discounts. And if you navigate to Blick using our new affiliate link, we will earn a 10% commission on your art supply purchase. For those of you who are new to affiliate links, it's just a unique link that takes you to Blick's regular website, so it looks and works the same as it always does, but using that link lets them know that we sent you. So our new affiliate link is now at www.messystudiopodcast.com slash Blick. And there's also a link in the description of this episode and a button in the upper left-hand corner of our website. Now, I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor right now. Pause the podcast, go to www.messystudiopodcast.com slash Blick, or just click the link in the description of this episode and bookmark that page. Next time you need art stuff, just use your bookmark. It's effortless, it takes 10 seconds to set up, and it will do a whole lot to benefit the podcast. Thanks, everyone. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about collage. A couple of weeks ago, we did an episode about working in mixed media, and collage figured prominently among the artists who responded to our Facebook question about the topic. Collage interests many artists because of its potential to bring various materials, images, and processes together in surprising and expressive combinations. Today, we'll look at some of the approaches that artists use who work in collage and why they are drawn to this way of working. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. And there were some uh, wonderful responses uh, to the question when I posted it on Facebook, and collage kept coming up, and so I thought it was worth its own episode, and it's really an interesting topic. So starting with, um, what is collage? <laughs> and, it, you know, kind of one of those words that we know, but maybe bears a little closer examination, and basically joining bits and pieces of various sources together. And those sources can include um, images, materials, processes, ideas. Um, so it's not just sort of pasting a bunch of stuff down together. We're also going to talk about the ideas behind it and the way that materials um, can influence what the collage is about. So the sources of the materials can be quite interesting. It usually refers to two-dimensional work, but any surface you know, can be collaged upon if you're using the word as a verb. So it could include some three-dimensional objects. The materials themselves, um, anything light enough to be fixed to a substrate, if you're working on, say, paper or panel. Um, for heavier materials, things like you could use things like wire or bolts on a panel to, to attach something down if you need to. But a lot of collage material has this uh, ephemeral, lighter quality to it. So there's kind of two basic categories of the actual materials that artists use. And one of these are materials that are sourced from outside the artist's own studio. So they could be purchased or found. 
objects and materials. And these include things like different kinds of papers, um, fabric, scraps of newspaper, wallpaper, gold leaf, uh, sometimes bits of commercial culture like um, you could you could even use um, discarded food wrappers if you had a reason to, or things from magazines, etc. Um, natural objects like feathers and leaves. So any of these things are definitely out there, available, and artists are using them. But there's another category where the artist purposely creates the um, elements of the collage. So they're using either things they're making for the purpose of collage, say making prints or uh, small drawings or something, or they're using their own works of art that they've created in the past and maybe now they're tearing them up and, and reusing them or cutting them up. Uh, and these could include prints, drawings, paintings, photographs, but they, but they come from the artist's own output. Um, and, and artists can also combine these two sources. They might have some things that were sourced from outside of them and some that came from their own studio. And typically the elements in collage have a distinct identity and meaning. And what, what I'm saying there is that um, they may be altered, but they're rarely totally disguised in a collage. The, the point really is that the viewer is aware of what these materials are and the type of material, you know, often has some kind of inherent meaning to it or, a strong visual impact, and the, the viewer knows where this is coming from. So, um, when we talked about mixed media, there was there was some discussion about disguising what was being used, uh, and and I don't see that as much in collage. It usually seems that the viewer is meant to identify it as a collage. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of crossover with um, certain aspects of of sculpture. Um, mm. but uh, but distinct in in terms of of being in a two dimension in a two dimensional format mm. yeah what what do you mean about the sculpture well so much of of sculpture uh can be at least um involving found materials or um a a collection of different processes oh i see um, yeah there there are sculpture sculptures that are you know, entirely in clay or, um, you know, some kind of stone or something like that or bronze, but it's um, oftentimes using a combination right. of materials and processes. Right. There's something called, well, depending on how do you pronounce it, um, assemblage or assemblage. <laughs> right, that is right. exactly what you're saying. It's a collection of found objects usually put together in a three-dimensional way. So, and I would say, yeah, that's very similar. In fact, you know, I wouldn't even separate it out that much. But usually when we say collage, it's this two-dimensional uh, kind of work. And it's, why is this so attractive? And, and I think the joy of working with collage when you experience it is is highly motivating. Right. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I know from doing this to the extent that I have is that there's all these moving parts, right? Uh, you're playing with different arrangements. And so that might be, you know, you're laying them out on a tabletop or counter. And there is so much freedom in saying, oh, this should go over here, not there. I mean, that is so difficult in a painting or something that you would have to redo like a drawing and erase it and redo it and all that. It's just simple movement. And I think 
it's kind of a a human attraction to arranging things. We sort of have that impulse in us anyway, right? We arrange things all the time, food on the plate and, you know, arrange our living spaces and all that. And it sort of serves this fundamental pleasure of moving things around and the freedom of that, like I said. Um, also, it's it's easy thing to do for a little bit, like a few minutes. It's easy to put it down and and kind of walk away from it. And because unlike paint or some of the other processes, once you're into it, you kind of have to move it forward. Paint dries. Um, you know, a printmaking process, you'd really have to carry through while the ink was still suitable, those kind of things. Collage could be two minutes or it could be two hours. Um, so it has that real flexibility in terms of the time that you're involved with it. And this is really great for when you don't have a lot of studio time or a lot of studio focus. Uh, and actually, the, the time in my own life when I did more collage was when you kids were little and I didn't have a lot of studio time, but I started tearing up some old drawings, prints, watercolors and things and working with them. And it really was satisfying that if I only had half an hour, I could I could engage uh, pretty quickly. I could dive right into it and get into it and then put it down and walk away if I had to. And so that's a I think that's a good thing right now, especially for people that maybe their time is very chopped up in our particular situations of the pandemic. Maybe they don't have a good studio space. And again, this can be done on a table. Um, so those kind of things. It seems really applicable right now to be able to enjoy this way of working. Um, yeah, there's some really practical advantages. There really are. And, and a lot of times it's done on paper. So, you know, you you're done with it. You just sort of stack it up and put it somewhere and it, it doesn't have to take up a lot of room or create a lot of mess. So it could be done in the house usually. Um, and there's something about the playful aspect of it that is really attractive because for me anyway, it has allowed me to step outside what I would consider sort of in quotes, what I do, <laughs> what's my normal practice, what's my normal imagery um, it it's very freeing in that way. And it goes back to that idea of moving pieces around, um, creating really different compositions sometimes, or sort of surreal combinations of things. You're, you're sort of liberated from your way of doing things that seems logical to you. And it's interesting that the history of contemporary collage is rooted in the Dada movement, which, you know, is a surrealist approach to work and combinations of odd images together. Uh, so it has that, it's always had that kind of um, appeal. Um, there's sort of an aspect of alchemy to it, and I use that word because alchemy means, uh, you know, transforming one thing into another thing. And you see that in collage sometimes where um, this this thing, this object, or this material, or this image can be transformed into something that it's not by its association or the way it's used in the piece. And later on, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the work of Eve Ozer, and this is what she does in her collages, um, is a, a transformation of an identifiable image into something that's quite surreal and magical looking. Um, and 
I don't know, it's very imaginative work. And I think a lot of people working in collage explore that um, contrast. You can bring all kinds of materials together and all kinds of um, uh, ideas, images, textures, sources, mix them up, play around with them, put some of them aside, and figure out what works together. Um, mentioned the found objects or the things that are coming from outside of your own source. And sometimes uh, those can be imbued with a special meaning. So sometimes people work with collage elements that are things like maybe old family photos or um, old references to history or something, or nature objects, you know, uh, feathers or whatever. Think, bringing things into the work that have a meaning in and of themselves and then seeing how they can be transformed when you combine them with other things, uh, that's pretty interesting. And if you're working with your own imagery, like I said, you know, sometimes people are working with stuff from their own studios. This is really pretty exciting because you're taking bits of yourself, your own past, your own imagery, and you're using it in a different way. So it's, sometimes it's, if this stuff is a bit older, it's sort of bringing that back into your present moment and what are you going to do with it? And it's also, you know, it's great because you're recycling this stuff that sometimes you have uh, things that, yeah, you like parts of them or it's kind of working but kind of not. Uh, chopping that thing up and <laughs> rearranging it, using it with something else is definitely um, exciting and kind of is satisfying in some way that you're bringing these bits and pieces together. Um, and just a couple things last about the actual physicality of the work or the materiality of it. Uh, some collage, depending on how the artist works with it, but you can really build up some complex and layered effects with it if you're overlapping things and you're going for kind of a rich surface. And collage can be really useful in that way. Um, and there's also a potential to use it with mixed media and with other media. So um, perhaps starting with some collaged elements and then working over them with paint um, or some other process. And so it doesn't have to be all the whole thing is to collage elements. A lot of artists bring in other art materials to, to use over the top of it or um, integrated with it in some way. Real quick, I want to let everyone know about what's new with Squeegee Press. Squeegee Press has now undergone its beautiful transformation to become Cold Wax Academy. And what's more, for everyone who enjoys using their special Cold Wax tools, all sizes of the SP Create Squeegees are now back in stock. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are also launching their online live learning sessions on October 7th at 10 a.m. Central Time as part of the new membership program, and all sessions will be recorded for future viewing by members. The first introductory lesson on October 7th will also be accessible for free on their Facebook Cold Wax community page. For more information and to become a member of Cold Wax Academy, please visit their website at www.coldwaxacademy.com and click on the membership button. That's www.coldwaxacademy.com and hit the membership button. All right, let's get back into it. 
It, uh, it, so it seems like there's a, there's a lot of really practical advantages to working with collage. And mm-hmm. there are, of course, artists who work primarily in collage. Um, but as somebody who does collage in addition to um, your other art practice, how do you feel that it has informed or affected your work? Ah, a good question. And um, I will I will say that I don't do a lot of it at this point. Um, but I always leave open the possibility because I have stuff sitting around on the countertop that every now and then I play around with it. Um, and I'm actually trying to find my way back into working with it effectively because I do enjoy it. Um, I think what it brings, what it has brought to my art practice and I'm hoping will continue to do or develop into is the flexibility that I mentioned early on about it, it breaks it breaks habits. You know, it it allows you to see something, to actually put things down on a surface and visualize some a, a different composition. For me, it would be, you know, the primary thing, or maybe some color combination, to actually see it and then say, oh, okay, um, play around with that. How can that work? And and to see, well, for myself, maybe the possibilities of. A more centralized image. I've always tied my shapes and things to the side of edges of the panel. And I do play around with that idea now in the last few months of moving the main idea into the center. And it's a bit difficult actually. It's it feels tricky tricky to me. Yeah, it's unconventional. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to pull it off. But I have played around with that with bits of paper and even if it doesn't turn into an actual collage. Just moving stuff around um, freely on a surface can open up ideas. You've mentioned in the past that working with photography has helped you to view the world in a different way. Um, do you feel that's the the case also with collage? Yeah, it helps you view your um, your ideas for other work in a different way, for sure. Um, and I think anything you do that kind of gets you past your very well ingrained habits <laughs> is a good thing. Um, and, you know, it's always this balance between what's your core ideas, what's your true voice, and how how to be open to new ideas. I mean, that's kind of the ongoing challenge for, the, for any artist, um, to not overwork your ideas so that they become stale and boring, but to keep something true about yourself. And I I think basically we're all pretty complicated people, so we have a lot of things that can be true to ourselves. And collage is a great way of just playing and just getting out of what you think of as this is what I do. <laughs> and especially when you work with your own work, when you tear up bits of your own stuff, to me that is particularly exciting for the way that I work. Um, maybe maybe somewhat cathartic as well. Somewhat cathartic. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I actually have a um I have a pile of of drawings and mixed media stuff that I've done just since um I've been here at the studio in New Mexico because I was I have been all summer and spring really experimental. So obviously some of this stuff doesn't work out. Some of it goes right in the trash because it's a muddy mess, but some of it I just I shred it or I just tear off parts of it. And so, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of 
moving into this idea of collage, uh, maybe by doing this podcast, I'm getting more excited about it. But some impulse told me, keep that stuff. Uh, I have occasionally played around with it, but there's a lot of potential there um, for what can be done with this. So yeah, there are challenges in every every art practice and there every really way are of working. Yeah, um, and uh, and this yeah, this seems like a really positive way to to take advantage of some of those happy accidents that you don't quite know how to use yet. <laughs> right, and I actually made some notes about um, challenges of collage itself. Um, right. So one of them is there are often technical technical challenges. Um, the materials that you want to use may themselves not be very durable or archival. They may not be light fast. And so, you know, there's there's a, a challenge there just like how do I make this work in terms of I'm creating an art object that I want to not fall apart immediately. And so, you know, that can take some uh, investigating, some trial and error. And I don't know, I'm just thinking back to the episode we did about mixed media. Um, Diane Williams, I remember she mentioned that she wanted to glue some silk down, but that changed the color of the silk. So she had to figure out, okay, if I want the color, then maybe I, I think she sewed it to a piece of canvas and then glued the canvas down, if I'm remembering correctly. But that kind of process where you have to figure out the steps uh, and and nobody probably is going to be able to tell you how to do this. You're you're dealing with your own ideas and your own materials, so that's a challenge. Um, uh, that you also kind of want to address the question of, well, we talked about the fact that a lot of collage, the viewer is aware that it's a collage. Um, usually, it's not obscured, and so, but that there's a continuum there. You know, how much do you want? to be in the face of your viewer with the fact that this is a collage, how much do you want to make it subtle? And how will you do that if you want to make it subtle or obvious? Um, later on, we're going to uh, put in a little clip of an interview I did with the artist Deborah Mursky, and she addresses this, uh, this kind of fine line between, yes, it's a collage, but I don't want that to be the very first thing that you think when you see it. <laughs> Uh, but I'm not hiding the fact that it's a collage. So that's a that's kind of a you know an aesthetic question to consider if you like to work with collage. And the last thing I want to talk about is the whole idea of well, how is collage per perceived or presented? And there's an old attitude floating around still in in the gallery world or among collectors that collage doesn't have a very high place in what's considered the hierarchy of art forms. And in that hierarchy, you know, painting is pretty high at the top, more traditional forms of art. And then you work your way down and, and you encounter collage at some point. And the reason it's been perceived as being, I hate to even say this, a lesser art form, because I don't believe that, but I'm talking about the perception of it, is for different reasons. It may be thought of as not very... Um, archival or something, if, if it includes newspaper clippings or anything like that, although we have examples of collage from that Picasso did, you know, a long time ago, they're still all right. But it's, it's just sort of perceived that if your materials are sort of ephemeral, maybe the piece itself isn't going to last. Um, 
there's an association of collage with sort of kid art projects and Oh, there was a there was a, a fad when I was young called decoupage, where you'd take bits and pieces of things and put them under some kind of heavy shellac and make a little box out of it or something. It has a little bit of a crafty edge to it. Um, that is not something that the contemporary artist necessarily thinks about. But I'm just saying, in in terms of how it's perceived, it has a slight disadvantage. I think um, in terms of value, in terms of the art market, uh, I don't think it's anything to be really that concerned about. And many contemporary art artists are now really challenging that. Um, it's There's maybe a, a preference for collage that where the elements in the collage are something that the artist made themselves. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of guessing at that. Um, well, and challenging that that perception of of what is a higher art form is something that's going on in in virtually every aspect of what is considered to be craft rather than than fine art. Exactly, it's just part of that conversation. And I think if you work in collage, you're well aware of that conversation, um, and you're doing your part to elevate it. <laughs> right, and it might make it an exciting thing to be a part of. Exactly. Um, and so if you, you know, if that's a concern, being aware of how you're presenting it, um, you know, firmly in your own mind that it's an important art form and then presenting it as such and not just dismissing it as, oh, some little thing I do on the side. But no, it has importance. It can be as important as any other form of art. So anyway, those are kind of some of the challenges of basically of the art form. Um, I don't, I mean, they're all easily overcome and are not easily, but they're all things that can be overcome with some persistence and thought. So um, they're not discouraging things. They're just aspects of it. And I guess we kind of wanted to end the podcast today with talking about two different artists working two different ways with collage. One of them is an actual interview and one I'm just going to talk about and quote from what she sent me in, in writing. Um, and so one of them, Eve Ozer, use, works with materials that are sourced in in print catalogs and magazines. So she's kind of in that first category of the outside source. And the other one, um, Deborah Mursky, works with images that she creates through her own print process. Um, so I'll start with Eve. And as I said, she sources her ideas from magazines and catalogs, and she cuts out these images of, um, they could be human, animal, they can be patterns, they can be objects. And she creates this work that's very visually striking and mysterious and surreal, like these images kind of float on a black blank background, um, beautifully composed. And there's areas of intense color and value contrast and shape relationships that are, you strike you right away. Um, but they're not just visual. They have this kind of poetic, evocative, dreamlike flavor to them. And of course, I'm going to put some of these on our Facebook page because there's really no way to describe them. But they're beautifully done. I mean, they're technically, they look just perfect. Um, so I'm going to uh, read what Eve sent me uh, in terms of, she wrote a little statement about these on her blog. And I think that's what I have here. Uh, so it's kind of her story about these. Um, so she says, I grew up in a house of intellects. Our walls were made of books. 
You can imagine the horror of my parents when I refused to read for entertainment until the fifth grade, when a wonderful teacher lured me into the pages of make-believe, and I became a fan of science fiction, beginning with Edgar Rice Burroughs and graduating to Isaac Asimov and Ray Bradbury. These analog collages are an extension of those fantasy worlds and my intrigue with the fashion and beauty industries and the contradictions they fabricate in our collective psyche. The vignette series are short stories told in paper. Looking through magazines and catalogs, I search for images that compel me to stop and take a closer look, and then I begin ripping, cutting, and pasting new narratives. On one level, they are meant to be playful. On another, they're about disruption. I'm trying to fracture our sense of reality and create a visual puzzle for your mind. I lay down the first pieces. The viewer brings in their own interpretations and completes the story. So that's Eve's description of her work. And I invite you to look at her images either on her website, which we'll uh, post, or um, on the Facebook page. And they really have to be seen. <laughs> and, you know, I the first time I saw them, I was intrigued and I thought, you know, they were, they, as she says, they're meant to create a puzzle. And that's what you feel when you look at them. You feel puzzled. And then you look further and you start to see the visual connections and then you start to just play with them a little bit. They That's why I compare them to poetry because a lot of times, you know, poetry uh, this kind of sets a uh, stage for your own associations, and I think that's what these do. Um, and so we're going to um, also include here the interview that I um, I did with in, in person with Deborah Mursky, and we'll post images of Deborah's work also. Uh, and as I mentioned, she's she has the second approach that she. Create, herself creates the imagery that she uses in her collage work. So here's that interview. So hello, everyone. I'm sitting in um, a beautiful garden in Dixon, New Mexico, with the artist um, Deborah Mursky. And Deborah is uh, visiting in here in Dixon. Um, she lives currently in Austin, Texas, and previously to that in the Seattle area for many years. Um, and she's both a studio artist and a designer of public art, some pretty big projects. Says these pursuits um, meander side by side, often crossing over. Um, she works in various forms of, of 2D, including um, a technique that she developed that involves printing from a clay slab uh, with oil-based inks. And this is a technique uh, widely known now among a lot of artists that are interested in being able to print without a press. She's interested in the overlap of the natural world and human habitation. So welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just start with some questions. We've been looking at some of Deborah's work and her collage work specifically since this podcast is about collage. And um, I think I would like to start by asking about the elements in your work and how you create them. So... Well, this process of collaging the prints sort of was slow in coming. I didn't just realize one day this would be something cool to try. It was very um, gradual. But in effect, what I'm doing is printing a page of elements. So rather than printing an image that is fully created and 
realized unto itself as an image. It's, um, it's a whole sheet of things to be cut up and repositioned on um, background paper. So basically, that's, that is the idea. So, um, and I, I, I'm going to put some pictures of this up on our Facebook page so you can see what she's talking about, but it's on um, some type of um, rice paper or something, is it? Different types of Japanese paper, yeah. Um, I use a lot of kitakata. Yeah. Um, I buy my paper from Hiromi, which anybody that's interested in paper probably knows about that wonderful paper source. So I'm uh, always interested in, in um, beautiful kind of natural colored rather than white background. I go for something that looks kind of uh, wheat colored. And the images that I'm working with right now are not, I don't go back into them and paint them, which I have done a lot of in my previous 2D work. So this is a completely very saturated black ink on this kind of buff colored background. Yeah, they're really beautiful images. Um in and of themselves, and um, it's a it's a unique look. I mean, it's not like any other print process that I've seen. There's a little bit of a flavor of woodcut to it, yeah. but um, it it's something uh, because of the clay itself. It has a certain surface, right? That that surface is um, kind of inherent to the process. I mean, the surface look very textural and it actually uses quite a bit of ink unlike other <laughs> print processes where you spend a lot of time removing ink from a plate I'm like loading on the ink <laughs> on the clay slab um, partly because I want it to have this kind of fat inky black quality when it's printed but also partly because the um, material kind of requires that so so it's an interesting process that started with developing the print process itself. Um, and I presume at some point you were doing complete images with yes. the prints. And then um, what what led you to uh, use them as collage elements? Yeah, that's it's a little bit hard to trace because of the way I work, which is um, not, uh, I don't pre-plan a lot. I mean, I sort of just kind of ooze things around in the studio. Um, but I would say that I've always um, done a little bit of collage. I mean, there's that has been an element even in the full uh, individual images. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, I'm just exaggerating something that I have done before. Um, and then really within the last six months, I realized that it could be something unto itself. And... Um, I just suddenly had so much uh, satisfaction from having the ability to uh, move things around. So the, comp the, the composition end of things suddenly just opened up. Because when I work on a, a big, Im well, when I worked on images in the past, I mean, I'm sort of um, even though the clay printing is very flexible and forgiving and I can go back and make changes to the plate, once it's printed, it's done. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's something inherent in my personality that really likes absolute and ultimate flexibility. So the, doing these images now with this new 
process of having kind of a stockpile of images that I can manipulate on the paper and look at in various compositions before I commit to um, gluing them down is just... It's so satisfying. <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed how suddenly I have this um, uh, kind of higher level of fun and satisfaction with the co composition. And and I'm not, I, I guess I should clarify something. that I have something in mind before I start. I have to because I'm creating all these images to work with later. Mm -hmm. So I have um, kind of a, a set of images or a flow of images that I'm working within um and but but in addition to having that idea there's things just constantly change and so it's it's fun that, that's really fascinating because i always think that when we're working with personal voice and figuring out what's important to us we do have certain things we return to and um, to be able to move those around in different combinations at will in a few minutes just rearranging is very liberating, I would think. Mm -hmm. And the, the arrangements include things like um, botanical images, right? Uh, flowers and butterflies. There's also a chain image. There's a foot. You know, so the, the combinations can become rather surreal. And I would think the ability to play with that would just be very satisfying because it's kind of uh, intuitive, subconscious. Uh, you don't have to know what it means ahead of time. You do it, mm -hmm. and then maybe it works on you in some way when you look at it later. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of understanding of the meaning or the, Symbol. uh, the yeah. symbology yeah. of the work happens later. I mean, I know what I'm drawn to and attracted to, and the you know, the type of things I draw from, like I have a, right now I'm working from a book of um, Near Eastern archaeological relics that's, I see it entering the, you know, my imagery very um, directly. So, um, yeah. So one last question is, when you were developing this process, um, obviously started, you kind of explained you were just making prints, and then it opened up into this way of working now. And these are these are not small things. They're fairly large uh, images when they're all put together. And um, I just wondered if there were technological pro or technique problems that you um, encountered. That I mean, like, what was the process like just working through it? How do I get there? Because I really feel like that's part of collage. You, sometimes it happens right away, and it's like, oh, that's perfect. And other times, I don't know, something about the way you glue something down and it changes the color or those kind of things that you, you just want to try to work them out so that you get what you want. Um, yeah, those, that definitely entered um, into the beginning of this process, the, some of those te technical issues. Um, for me, I like to have sort of a seamless quality. I mean, I don't really like it to look too sort of chopped up and um, pieced together. But I want a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm walking this fine line between it being obviously a collaged image and it being a seamless looking print. And, and so I'm, that, that line is, yeah. I'm aware of that constantly. Um, and so to get 
to get it exactly where I want it, I do, um, you know, I want it to stick really flat. You know, I've finally figured out using a palette knife to uh, apply the, uh, I use nori paste mostly. Mm -hmm. um, so to apply the glue on the back of the pre-cut image, um, you know, I, I figured out how to do that correctly. That wasn't instant. Um, the other thing is I want, you know, the, the, the image is, is obviously what the piece is about, but the edges um, of the paper, the collaged paper, are part of the, the final image. Mm. And they're actually another element. Mm. So the paper I'm using now is almost the same color as the background paper, which is also sort of collage. There's sheets of paper glued together to make a background. large size for the background. But I, I love it when the collaged parts sit, sit apart from mm -hmm. the background and, and, have, and when the papers are distinctly of different colors. So there, I mean, when, when you can see that, then it's so obvious that it's a collage and not a, a large print. But um, anyway, so yeah, I guess those are all technical issues. <laughs> yeah, and it, but you know, it's also conceptual what you were touching on there that for you, and I think, um, you know, it's something people encounter with collage. Uh, how how distinct do you want it to be that it is a collage? When people look at it, will they think right away collage? Or are they taking in the image in its own being? It just is what it is, kind of a thing, which, you know, can really have more impact on the viewer, I think. If they're not immediately distracted by it's a collage, there's a slight bit of mystery about how this image came about. And that takes a lot of technical mastery. Now, it's not the intention of every artist to do that, but, I mean, some people want it to be obviously collage, but that's a question. Um, I think if you're interested in working with collage, is a good one. How, how obvious do you want that to be? Um, and how can you overcome the issues that make it obvious if you don't want that? Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I think... Um, what I'm working with is very simple in some ways because it's all black on a light background. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's this real strong graphic quality and what you absorb when you look at it is the image upon contact and the collageness of it is very secondary to the impact of the piece. Mm -hmm. But I do want it to be there because it's, it's sort of the honesty of the fabrication of the piece. So... I'm not trying to fool the viewer into thinking it, it's yeah. not there. I think the the collage part sort of sneaks up on you and just say, "Oh, wait a minute! I think that's actually collaged on there." And it's and it's it is very expertly done, so it's not uh, at all clunky or obvious, which which can happen with collage if you're when you're just starting out. And I I think it's it's good to talk to someone who's worked through a lot of things and understand that at least a large part of this would be technical um, and how to work this out so it visually looks as you want. Um, so I, I think that about um, covers what you're doing in, in at least a somewhat superficial way, But uh, and we'll get back to the rest of the podcast, but uh, thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you. I enjoyed talking about it. Okay, thank you. Wow, what a really interesting interview! Uh, thanks to Deborah for um, sitting down with you and and doing that interview. 
Yeah, and I could add just a word or two about Deborah's work itself, and um, because I I am so enamored of the way that she has this beautiful spare quality in her work. Um, it has you just get the sense of a, a careful composition that she's so aware of rhythm and placement of the imagery. The imagery itself is beautifully created. I mean, there's um, a variety of um, different types of images that she prints and uh, puts together. And it's just, um, there's just an elegance to it. And there's also a tactile quality because you're very, uh, you look at the print itself, the, the different prints that she's incorporated, and you can sense how they're made. You know, the, the clay uh, printing technique that she's developed, you feel all that when you look at them. They're not, um, they're not flat. I mean, they, they feel um, very engaging in, in terms of the visual texture. It's a, it's a little bit like woodcut, but it's something different. You know it's not when you see it. You know it's not woodcut. So there's an intrigue there with how is this made. Um, but the initial thing that strikes me when I look at them is just the, the beautiful uh, composition and intriguing images of the work. Uh, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Well, just that I hope this has been an interesting and maybe uh, inspiring delve into um, a few ideas about collage. It's really one of the most flexible ways of working, and I think that's a huge attraction, um, either as a sideline for your ideas, for other work, or as your main form of expression. Um, there's, there's many other things we could say about it, but uh, that's wrapping it up for now. <laughs> All right, well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.